bedside, sometimes talking with her if she was feeling strong enough, but at other times merely watching her sleep, counting every laboured, wheezing breath that emerged, willing her to remain with him. Often he would bring a book with him to read, and if his mother was awake and her head didn't hurt too much, she would ask him to read aloud to her. She had books of her own, romances and mysteries and thick black garbed novels with tiny letters, but she preferred him to read to her much older stories, myths and legends and fairy tales, stories of castles and quests and dangerous talking animals. David didn't object. Although at twelve he was no longer quite a child, he retained an affection for these tales, and the fact that it pleased his mother to hear such stories told by him only added to his love for them. Before she became ill, David's mother would often tell him that stories were alive. They weren't alive in the way that people were alive, or even dogs or cats. People were alive whether you chose to notice them or not, while dogs tended to make you notice them if they decided that you weren't paying them enough attention. Cats, meanwhile, were very good at pretending people didn't exist at all when it suited them. But that was another matter entirely. Stories were different, though. They came alive in the telling. Without a human voice to read them aloud, or a pair of wide eyes following them by flashlight beneath a blanket, they had no real existence in our world. They were like seeds in the beak of a bird, waiting to fall to earth, or the notes of a song laid out on a sheet, yearning for an instrument to bring their music into being. They lay dormant, hoping for the chance to emerge. Once someone started to read them, they could begin to change. They could take root in the imagination and transform the reader. Stories wanted to be read, David's mother would whisper. They needed it. It was the reason they forced themselves from their world into ours. They wanted us to give them life. These were the things that his mother told David before the illness took her. She would often have a book in her hand as she spoke, and she would run her fingertips lovingly across the cover, just as she would sometimes touch them to David's face, or to his father's, when he said or did something that reminded her of how much he cared for him. The sound of his mother's voice was like a song to David, one that was constantly revealing new improvisations or previously unheard subtleties. As he grew older and music became more important to him, although never quite as important as books. He thought of his mother's voice less as a song and more as a kind of symphony, capable of infinite variations on familiar themes and melodies that changed according to her moods and whims. As the years went by, the reading of a book became a more solitary experience for David, until his mother's illness returned them both to his early childhood, but with the roles reversed. Nevertheless, before she grew sick, he would often step quietly into the room in which his mother was reading, acknowledging her with a smile, always returned, before taking a seat close by and immersing himself in his own book, so that, although both were lost in their own individual worlds, they shared the same space and time. And David could tell by looking at her face as she read whether or not the story contained in the book was living inside her and she in it, and he would recall again all that she had told him, 
about stories and tales and the power that they wield over us, and that we in turn wield over them. David would always remember the day his mother died. He was in school, learning or not learning how to scan a poem, his mind filled with dactyls and pentameters, the names like those of strange dinosaurs inhabiting a lost prehistoric landscape. The headmaster opened the classroom door and approached the English master, Mr. Benjamin, or Big Ben, as he was known to his pupils because of his size and his habit of withdrawing his old pocket watch from the folds of his waistcoat and announcing in deep, mournful tones the slow passage of time to his unruly students. The headmaster whispered something to Mr. Benjamin, and Mr. Benjamin nodded solemnly. When he turned around to face the class, his eyes found David's and his voice.